0: Welcome to Figure Out Your Life Podcast, a real talk conversation about life and the things i figured out and are still trying to figure out. I'm your host, Toya T, and I'm back. I know it's been a long time, it's been a long time since I left you uh, without an interesting topic to talk about. I don't know. I can't rap. Can you tell I can't rap? I'm going to stick to my day job. Which if you listened to the last episode on career frustrations, you would know that it's stressing me the fuck out to the point where I felt like I had to take a break from all my extracurriculars including my beloved podcast I missed you guys but now I am back and better than ever because I have taken some time to figure out my life think about the things that make me happy assess what I'm actually doing with my life What steps am I taking towards my happy and what steps I need to take to get to my happy and adjust accordingly. And so this is me adjusting accordingly. I love talking to you guys. I really do want my podcast to flourish and my whole figure out your life brand to expand and to reach other, you know, women of color, um, young, old, who are, want to live authentically happy lives, and are trying to figure out how to get there. I want Figure Out Your Life podcast, blog, YouTube channel to be a space for them to process those things and find some answers, find, you know, seeing someone else. I know I when I go through stuff, it's always helpful to me to know that others are also going through it, like that I'm not alone, that... I am not the only one that is struggling with this certain issue, and that others do too. And to find out, or you know, hear how did they get through, you know, this issue, this problem, this obstacle. And so, in this episode, I will be talking about my experiences in graduate school, what I figured out about myself, about mental health, about getting getting support, and how not to be ashamed. Uh, about my experiences uh, struggling with depression and anxiety, this is for you. And I hope that if you are listening, you know someone who is in that position, that you'll share this with them because I am being super honest about my experiences and I'm doing so as a way to help others and to help them figure out how they can get through it too. So... So I ended up um, entering into a sociology PhD program. And so that I thought was my path that I was going to, as most graduate students, especially in the social sciences, are groomed to think that they're going to go into the professoriate. They're going to go into the academy. They're going to aim for a tenure track job. And especially at a research one um, university, which means that this is a school that is focused uh, on research more so than on teaching surprise surprise for those who don't know colleges and universities not all of them are focused on the actual Teaching of students. Some of them are mostly focused on researching and using the students' tuition to fund the school's endeavors. Uh, although the research grants that come in also fund the school's endeavors too. But if you're looking at your professors and sometimes wonder why they're such shitty teachers, is because you might be at a school where teaching is not the focus for uh, for tenure or for promotion. And if you don't know what tenure is, tenure is a, l- a lifelong job. Pretty much you'd have to kill somebody to lose your, to be fired if you have tenure. Tenure, once you receive it, you have a job for life. <laughs> and so that is usually the goal. The idea comes becomes very attractive. And I thought that was attractive too until I got into graduate school and really got to see the inner workings of the politics of like, you know, publish or perish, the stressors that happen, how there is... Major distinctions between like the like the type of work that you publish, what art what uh, journals you publish in, what book publishers you're using, how many books you've published, and there's a big deficit, especially for women of color or just women in general, because as women being main caretakers, if you decide that you want to have children. And you don't have, I mean, I guess you can get a nanny, but like still there's an expectation that women are the main caretakers of children, that your, part of your responsibility is to also take care of your children. And... If you're also supposed to be teaching, maybe um, depending on the school, it could be two courses per semester. That's usually the standard for Research One Universities or it could be three uh, courses a semester like it is at my school. Or in some places it could be four courses a semester plus trying to do your own research and publish and have your own life and work on committees and you know, work with students and, have children, have a, you know, a romantic partner, blah, blah, blah. It becomes a lot. And you find that the, the men tend to uh, do very well in this system because they usually have a, uh, a female, they're heterosexual. They usually have a female partner or wife that is doing all of the homework for them so they can focus on their research and their publishing and their tenure folder, their tenure package for receiving tenure from their school, which can take a long time. And I just realized, I mean, and also my mentor, shout out to Vilna, uh, Dr. Bashy Tritler. I, I don't want to diminish her titles. I was very appreciative to her because she was always very so open with me During the graduate school process, I mean, she became my graduate advisor on my dissertation chair towards the end of my graduate career. So after I had finished all my coursework and was ready to start working on my research, that's when she became my advisor. And she actually asked to be my advisor and I had turned her down at first because I had a typical white male uh, grad advisor who had been very helpful to me in terms of like opportunities for research, uh, research internships and jobs, like paid like, you know, research research uh, assistant sh- assistant um, positions that were very helpful to me and very lucrative in terms of like just having extra money all based off of his name and the fact that he was very well known within the field particularly uh, the fact that my department was it is still uh, very, one of the foremost departments uh, in the uh, uh, immigration field especially within sociology there's several people there that are well published especially about Caribbean immigrants and immigration, which is, which was my field. And so I actually had somebody that was very much interested in my, um, research topics, which was, you know, focusing on Caribbean migrants in the United States. And so he was very helpful to me until he was not. And she had told me that he was going to be an issue for me later on. And I didn't listen to her and, and eventually he did become an issue and I had to switch advisors and, you know, it, it, you know it was fine at first because he had an issue that prevented him from being my advisor like i was actually told by the irb board like you need to get rid of him or you need to wait and make him uh do some certification so you can actually get approved to go do your research and so i chose i chose to have vilna become my advisor but um eventually he got his shit together like you know in, in true fuckboy boy fashion <laughs> and i will tell you he definitely is a fuckboy. like you know he put out some good work, but he's he's definitely an academic fuck boy. But um, damn, am I gonna? I'm burning bridges here. But why does it matter? I'm not trying to become a tenure track professor. This is what the end of the story is getting to. But that's where the end. Of the, that's where the story is going and leading he got his shit together and then asked to be my advisor again. And I did not want to take him back. And we had to find a way we had to like politically find a way, find other people that were in high up positions because he was, he was the, he was the chair of my department um, and had like full tenure and my advisor did not have full tenure yet. And so she did not want to be, want me to get penalized or her to get penalized by me, you know, telling him that I didn't want him to be the chair on my, my dissertation committee and so we had to find a way to like finesse it and get other people to talk to him and find a way to talk to him to get him to not retaliate against me which is important because he actually hasn't retaliated against one of my friends I don't know if she ever I need to catch up with her um I don't know if she ever was able to get a tenure track job but he was on her committee and she somehow slighted him in some way and he decided to take that out on her by not sending out her recommendations for jobs which means that her um applications were incomplete so she wasn't even uh in consideration for some of these jobs and I was like that is some fucked up shit there but that is politics people who have power in those senses will use their power to like get back at you and be really petty um and even if you you know ask the person not to be on your committee and you don't ask them for recommendations, if they're a well-known person in your field, those universities that you're applying to are going to contact them anyway and ask them, hey, you're the foremost person in this field and they're at your in your program. Why aren't you writing them a recommendation? And that person can go ahead and say whatever the fuck they want about you. And usually that's what happens. They end up sitting there talking dog shit about you. And unfortunately, this is the case when you're talking about, um, you know, people of color within the field that you have to be very, very careful on how you uh, interact with the white tenured um, faculty members at these schools because it's politics. It's like, you know, like regular government politics. It's the same kind of politics in academia, except it's a little bit less straightforward. And there's a lot of illegal shit that happens that you can't really prove that um, that they do that in any other business you'd be able to go to hr and be like well this person did this this and that and i have a case in the case of in this case um it's really hard to prove these things and so mostly you end up seeing um you know people suffering due to that and so i knew uh from talking to her and having that experience that i didn't want to do this tenure track shit like it was stressful i was highly depressed like very clinically highly depressed, like suicidal thoughts, highly depressed, um, going to therapy and trying to find different ways to get through the stressors of, you know, trying to get through my PhD program, not knowing if I would ever finish, which extended my time. But then again, that was the path because I was someone who was so much about plans and so focused on a goal, and that once I set my mind on it, I just kind of stick to it. That's it. I felt like I didn't know where else to what else to do. I had already spent at this point, um, what was one of my one of these major things happening? Uh, I had already spent at this point like about four or five years in graduate school. I was on a five year plan, and when the five years came up, so that was uh, I entered in graduate school in 2015. And, um, sorry, 2005, what am I talking about 2015? That's when I gra- that's when I got my degree. Uh, 2005, I entered into graduate school and, um, I was trying to get out by 2010. I was very much almost on that pathway to end in five, six years, uh, because I had finished my coursework within, um, what was it? I think I finished in three years. Yes, yeah, so I think I was done. I was done with coursework by two thousand eight. Yeah, by two thousand eight, I was done with my coursework. I took all my comprehensive exams, passed them, and had already started writing my dissertation proposal in two thousand and nine. Secured funding and moved to Atlanta. Was ready to move to Atlanta to go get all this stuff done. And so, two thousand nine. 2010 yeah I lived in Atlanta so yeah I was on that pathway the the, you know the fourth year of graduate school I was you know in the field doing my research and you know ideally you take the next year you take the year to write and then um and then uh you know defend your dissertation and so I was on that pathway I got a dissertation fellowship at um UC Santa Barbara where I was paid in the Black Studies Department. I was pl- I was paid to move to California and work full-time on my dissertation. All I had to do was uh, present my work at you know a spring um, symposium, uh, but also just be there and be mentored by the faculty in the program, which I very much ex- enjoyed that experience. And I did do a lot of work during that year. But by the time I finished, I wasn't really like, you know, done writing. And so that fellowship ended in 2000, like July of two, no, June of 2011, because I moved back to Boston in July of 2011. And I wasn't quite done, but I had, you know, a significant amount of my research transcribed because I did a lot of interviews and I transcribed most of it myself. And so that's what I spent most of my time doing and writing up chapters and stuff like that. And so uh, I might not have been ready to finish in 2011, but I very much could have finished in 2012. And that is, you know, when things got really hard for me being home, be having to adjust back to, you know, living in my mama's house. That was just not the plan. It was not the plan to ever move back to Boston. Did I did I forget to tell you that once I left Boston in uh, 2001 and went off to college in New York City, that I had no intentions of in ever moving back, like ever, moving back I said I'm never moving back to Boston and look where I am now <laughs> look where I am now um, which for me I've only just learned that you can never say never because usually when I say never it usually happens sometime you know in a in, in the future and so I've tried to stop saying never because I don't want to put that on something that uh, will happen to me. I said, I, I said, I've never wanted to live in the South. I end up living in Atlanta. I never had intentions to live in, uh, on the West coast. I up living in California and, um, I have said a few times that I've never wanted to live in the Midwest, but God, let me take that back. Cause I don't want to end up there. It's too freaking cold here. And I know it's very freaking cold up in the Midwest. I ain't got no, I, I don't want none of that. None of that over there. Um, although Chicago, I really do like Chicago as a city, but not during the winter they can keep that they can keep that nonsense um (laughs) they got underground tunnels because it's so freaking cold they called the Windy City for a reason I don't need any of that so oh so graduate school so I was on the path to finishing I got kind of caught up ended up having to go to therapy again because I was depressed just being home (laughs) being home having to be having to like readjust to being an adult living when my mama had you know lived um in New York for four years, and then I moved to Atlanta, and then I moved to California. So I was, you know, post college, I had lived on my own for six years, and then having to move back, and as an adult, that was not fun. It was not fun at all. And it was a lot of adjusting and a lot of things that I had to deal with. And so I went to therapy. Uh, thank God for uh, Massachusetts having um, universal health care at the time before Obamacare went through. And so I was able to go, you know, with my poor self and go find myself a therapist to go talk about you know my fear of failure and particularly my issues with my mama (laughs) i wish i talked to her about my issues with my daddy but i was in therapy i think for a year and it really helped me i got a lot of writing done a lot of writing done she helped me really clear out things um and and really focus on what i wanted to achieve now eventually my my um my therapist thought that it was a good time to stop. Plus she was moving, uh, for family reasons. And so she said, you can get a new therapist or, you know, I think this is a good place to end. I think you're doing very well. I think you're on the pathway. Cause I was on my pathway. This was like 2013. I was on the pathway to finishing. I pretty, I had all my chapters. I was ready. Uh, my advisor was, um, saying that I very much could, uh, defend my dissertation. It means that I would be done with graduate school, uh, at, at the end of, like the summer of 2013 or the fall of 2013 and shit happened life happened on her end so she ended up getting a e because you know the life as a professor uh, as a professor of color a woman well, a black woman of color black woman of color black professor <laughs> black female professor female professor of color whatever you want to say because it was so stressful and she had other talents I mean Vilna is very 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 where is my picture? Oh, there it is. Uh, very, very talented. Um, she does like watercolors, and like I hope it's watercolors. Maybe it's painting. She paints, and she, I think she does glasswork. Either way, she's an artist. She's also an artist on on top of being um, a very prolific and smart researcher. But she got a she got a fellowship to in to to move to Germany. And to like an art fellowship to just like, you know, learn from a master and how to, you know, focus on her art, not her academic work. And she took it. She told me she was she was she had all these she had other things that were more related to her her work as a professor and her research and uh, furthering that and furthering her her bid for um, for tenure to become a full professor. At her university that she was at, um, she was at one of the CUNY schools, CUNY has several schools, it's a city school, so they have like several, you know, colleges within it. And so she was on that pathway, but then she told me that, you know, she's deciding to take this art fellowship because she needed the break. She needed the time to actually focus on something outside of her job, to focus on her other passions, to give that a chance, because when else are you going to have a chance to do it? And I remember how she kind of convinced me to become my advisor, that she had told me that... you. Just because we're in this this profession where you have to focus on this uh, this goal of getting tenure, which takes a lot of work, a lot of work, and it's not always clear about what the parameters are for receiving tenure. So you have to do a lot of things, especially when you don't have seniority in a department. And if you're a person of color and you're at a school that has some sprinkles of diversity, you end up usually being the advisor for almost all the kids of color, no matter what their their um, their field of research is. and you end up serving on a lot of committees because, you know, the idea of saying no seems like the department chair and other people who are who are full tenured faculty might use that against you when you when you make your bid for for tenure. And so you end up doing a lot of work on top of teaching, on top of grading, on top of trying to do your own research and, you know, be an advocate for students if you want to be an advocate for students and having a life. And so she said she wanted to take that time to, you know, focus on that and that her husband was going with her, her kids were going with her and she was going to take that opportunity. I thought that was great. But where does that leave me? As you know, she only had two students, two uh, students that she was the chair of. And I was already and close to the end. And she was like, well, you know, we can do your district. I can Skype into your, your defense, which was fine with me and is done. Like, you know, my best friend, Aisha had one of her faculty, I think her chair Skyped into her, her defense. And it's not un- uncommon. I mean, shit, like people Skype into things all the time. This was 2013, not you know 1996 (laughs) you know the technology is quite uh advanced even more advanced now and even if she wasn't there by Skype you could you could phone her in on the phone like you know conference calls have been around for a very long time just use one of those conference thingies but the you know remember that man I was talking about the academic fuck boy well he came back up and put a lot of doubt in the committee that I had there was two there's another woman on the committee and Uh, another man, I had two black people, two black uh, professors on my, two black professors on my, uh, dissertation committee, a, a woman and a man, the man being, uh, Dr. Charles Green, RIP. Um, he just, he recently died this, this year. He was very supportive of me and I had him on my committee and, um, I had two white Jewish professors, uh, a man and a woman, the man, you know, is the, uh, academic fuck boy. Um, and he convinced everyone that, uh, I was not ready based on what he read and i i tell you this man i don't think ever does any work outside of his own work and even that um because you could i had to like continuously like harass him and a uh, uh, cc the admin to get him to answer emails which was sign number one that he would not be a good advisor especially for me um But he convinced the entire committee, especially with his seniority and as being the department chair, that my dissertation was not ready and has suggested that I go back into the field. So move back to Atlanta and do more research. And I spent a year there. I spent a whole year in Atlanta and I wasn't just sitting on my ass. I was doing the work, um, which I don't think I mentioned it, but my work was on Afro-Caribbean migration to Atlanta and trying to understand how like why black caribbean people were moving to atlanta georgia which is not a traditional immigrant um, city it's in the middle of the south it's not even next to the water which is usually traditional uh immigrant uh, destinations or ports because you know uh they're usually major cities in west where people come into a new york or a los angeles or a chicago or a miami especially for caribbean immigrants miami new york boston and those areas. And so I wanted to understand why they were going there. And I wanted to know how they were integrating into the black population in the very large part of black population in Atlanta. And so so I, you know, I was very much immersed in finding out things about the black Caribbean community in Atlanta. And I had a lot, I still do. I still have all my stuff. I had a lot of stuff. Um, it's just, I needed probably more guidance on how to mine some of my stuff. And, uh, as my, as Vilna always told me that i seem to explain my things better than I, than I do writing them. Somehow they get lost in translation. Somehow I seem to get stuck on putting down the information. And, and for me, writing has always kind of been like that. My mind moves way too fast for my hands uh, to write it down. And so usually when I speak something, it usually has way more details than it would when I actually get it down on paper. Cause it's, you know, coming out of, out of me naturally and you know the written word is not necessarily my best way of communicating information to others hence why I started a podcast because (laughs) a podcast and I have a YouTube channel which gosh I need to get back to that but those things always worked much better for me than my blog my written blog because of you know I'm I'm a way better storyteller like oral storyteller oral storyteller than a written storyteller and so He was sitting there making them think that I needed to do like major rework and that my defense, which I thought was going to be scheduled for the September 2013 or maybe October, mostly September, because that would be the last date for me to be able to graduate, to get to 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 graduate uh, with the opportunity to walk for commencement the following year so I would have finished in 2013 and walked in 2014. He really put a stop to that and when she told me that over Skype I cried. I cried for a whole week. Pretty much cried for a whole week and she'd said you know let me know what you think. She felt so bad. She felt like she had failed me all because of these seeds that this academic fuckboy boy had put in her head and so I had to figure out how to navigate that and I had also at that time decided that I wanted to start teaching again because I thought I was going to go on to the well, I wasn't trying to go straight into the uh, to the tenure track teaching uh, tenure track professor position or uh, teaching position. I wanted to go into a postdoc. And so I was applying to postdocs and all that stuff. But I also wanted to make sure that I have I, I started teaching again so I can have that, you know, enhanced on my resume because I started teaching in 2007. I started I taught my first class at City College Uh, and at the City University of New York in New York City. Um, Great experience. I think the last class that I had taught at that point was in the spring of 2000, not the spring, the fall of 2008 Uh, because after that I took, I stopped teaching to focus on finishing my dissertation proposal so I could go do my research in Atlanta and move and all that other stuff. And so, you know, I was fully much on that pathway of getting myself prepared to become a professor, but I wanted to make sure that I set myself up. So I wanted to do a postdoctoral um, research fellowship or teaching fellowship just to get myself um, ready and to become a more attractive, a more attractive applicant when I did start applying for tenure track positions. And so I decided to start teaching. And so that's where the, the school that I'm working at now is the school that I ended up teaching at starting teaching at again it was in 2013 the fall I had gotten a friend shout out to Stephanie who was working there and was leaving and had suggested that I apply there and pretty much vouched for me and I got the job without having to really apply like I didn't apply I went to go meet with the dean not the dean the um the head of the department who eventually became the dean and she pretty much said like you have the job if you want it she vouched for you just you know give me your make sure you give me your uh your your CV or resume and I You know, we'll put the information through, but, you know, that's the formalities of getting in the system. So I've been working there since 2013, but I was kind of nervous because I knew that I hadn't taught in a long time and I was nervous. And I knew that it was going to take up a lot of my energy first getting used to teaching at a new school uh, in Massachusetts in a different area because New York City is so much more diverse. My first class that I taught was predominantly black and Hispanic. I don't think I had any white students in my class, uh, which was very interesting refreshing fun i did teach at pace university where i did have more white students and so you know i'm i can teach a diverse a racially ethnically culturally diverse um students but you know the school that i'm in is 20 minutes west of boston in an area and i'm from boston in a town that i'd only really heard of when i was in high school but thought it was way out in the boondocks i was like where the fuck is that where is Framingham? Let me know where Framingham is, please. And so I end up there and I'm walking around the campus and I'm like, well, it was the summer, but I'm looking at the website and stuff and I'm like, oh, this looks like a pretty white school, like kind of like a school that I went to in Boston. And so I'm looking at the website and stuff and I'm like, oh, this looks like a pretty white school, like kind of like a school that I went to in Boston. And so I wasn't really uncomfortable with that, but, you know, I just didn't know. I didn't know. I was out in what I considered the sticks and, you know, I wasn't trying to, trying to put myself in a position where I could end up getting you know like lynched or something (laughs) why am i joking when school has several hate crimes that happens at that school let me stop laughing it's not funny because that could potentially happen the way the school's fucking going but anyway I really wanted to finish, you know, early, like finish my dissertation and defend so that I could focus on my teaching. And this guy put a wrench in my plan and I cried because I was so focused. And I told you I was one of those people that are focused on a goal. I knew that I wanted to finish by that time. That was my time frame. I had already um, come to terms with, you know, not finishing within five years, which is not necessarily uncommon because in phd programs it can go anywhere between on average between five and ten years so i'm not uncommon although i did finish at year nine but technically i finished at year six Just to point that out there, because I had done most of the work. I was ready to go in 2013. And he put a wrench in the plan and said that, well, you know, since uh, Vilna was going to be in Germany, that he felt like they should push it off because, you know, sometimes Skype um, calls have issues. And I'm like, what the fuck is this old fucking man talking about? I mean, I was at that point where I wanted to put roots on him. I was real close to finding somebody's OBIA. Okay, and putting some fucking roots on him. I was going to put something on him where all his hair would fall out because he had a full head of hair. All his hair would fall out and his children would hate him. I was like, I'm going to put something on him and his wife would leave him and his house would burn down with no one in it, but would burn down and he would lose his job. I was real close to it, like throwing a brick through if he had a car, but New York City probably didn't have a car. But anyway, I was real close to it because he really stood in the way of what I thought was my plan. It was my plan. And it was my advisor's plan. And so I started teaching and didn't know how to kind of move forward when I was so ready to go. And this person was telling me that I was not ready and needed to do more work and uproot myself and move back to Atlanta. I'm like, where am I going to find the money from f- to do that? Like, you know, when I was ready to go do my dissertation work, I had done a lot of applying for for, for funds before I left New York City, before I was ready to go, and then you're telling me, oh, you need to go back. How was I supposed to do that? You wanted to add on more time, and I was just like, this is ridiculous. What do you want me to do to live in Atlanta for the rest of my life so that you can feel comfortable, or are you getting back at me because I did not make you my chair again, and you wanted to swing your dick around um, to show who was boss? And so, I mean, talk about white male privilege. I'm telling you. So I ended up just... I ended up falling into a very deep, dark depression. I told you my therapy, I had stopped therapy because I was in a good place. I had, I was ready. I had all this stuff together and I fell into a deep depression on top of the fact that I was teaching in a new school. I felt really, I felt like a failure and, um, I went to therapy to deal with my issues with failure because I always felt like my mother had really high expectations of me, which is good because it pushed me, but also bad because it also, um, when I, and ever I struggled, I really took it hard and was down and horrible to myself. Like talk about bad inner talk. I was toxic towards myself. And so I didn't know how to deal. Like I was only teaching one class, but it was a class where it was, I mean, like talk about predominantly white. Like I've, Whew. There was probably only two people of color in that room and whenever they weren't in the room I was the only person of color in the room and on top of that I was the darkest person in the room which only made my, um, my status as a racial minority very more apparent to me and probably to the students themselves and I've I heard some of the students say some stuff that I was like this is fucking racist I didn't know what the fuck I was I had a child talk, talking about I think she was talking about colored people or negroes I think she'd use one of those words and I was about to fight that chick I was really about to fight her I was like oh okay where am I Who? what did I do and I had another I had a white male student that tried to tell me that white privilege did not exist that you know black people have BET and it's not like white people have white you know entertainment television so I don't think that exists I was like what the fuck am I in where am I how am I putting myself in this position? I took a lot of days off. I took a lot of sick days during that because I sometimes just did not feel like having to show up and having to deal with that and having to feel inadequate and stupid and small and alone. And um, I was very much in my head on top of the fact that I wanted to finish my dissertation. And this white man told me that I was not ready that I was not worthy that I needed to do more work than I had already done that I had already put the work in and you told me it was not good enough and so it was it was a hard time for me very hard and by the second semester so the second semester I worked there which was um, the spring of 2014 I pretty much didn't think I was gonna live through 2014 I really was in such a deep dark Clinical depression that I really saw no hope. I went to work because I had to go to work, just just to seem normal. I spent on the times that I was not at work, I would come home and stare out of my bedroom window, just stare out of it, just watch the trees, watch the leaves. I watched a lot of YouTube during that time to kind of help me discover c- quite a few um, YouTubers. That's when I really got into YouTube, started following the uh, angry. Angry Nintendo nerd, which is also now the angry video game nerd, loved him watch all his shit just to calm myself down. I watched a lot of different people just to to give me something to escape towards. And if I wasn't doing that or looking out the window, I was sleeping on the couch downstairs or sleeping in my bed. Just, you know, classic signs of depression. It was so bad that I didn't even register for the the semester and my my Ph.D. program, which you have to do to be able to defend because you have to be a current student. And I didn't even register. I missed the registration because I was so like in myself, so hopeless. I didn't register. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I guess it's over. I'm done. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And as someone who always knew what she was going to do, it was hard for me to deal with. Which added on to the depression. It added on It added on to the suicidal thoughts. I don't know how many times I thought about hanging myself. I thought it'd be a good way to go. And then, just because black women are so powerful. And the two black women I'm particularly talking about is, is my mother and my advisor, Vilna. The one good thing about it is that she was a great advisor for me. She was not just concerned about my academic career, whatever career I wanted to do, my profession. She was also concerned about me as a person. And every time I would check in with her, she would always ask me how my life was going. How's your love life? How's, how's, you know, how's life at home? How's life in California? How's life in Atlanta? She would always ask me about myself as a person, always putting, um, at the center that despite the work that we're, we're supposed to be working on, despite the fact that she is my graduate advisor, that I am still a person, a person with a life that can also affect my career and that sometimes if we focus too much on the career goals that we can lose ourselves and when we lose ourselves we lose everything. I was very grateful to her for being very honest about her own issues with mental health and particularly being in this field and talking about how it's not embarrassing. It is not um, it does not diminish you if you need help. If you need to go to therapy, if you need to get medication because there's plenty of people within the field that are that are that are like that. There are plenty of people who um who need the extra help and that we are in a field that is extremely stressful and it can be very lonely. The PhD process, especially when you're in the last stages is, is extremely lonely process. It seems like something that you will never get out of because you are pretty much told that you have to be working all the time and you'll have people around you you're your friends, your family who are constantly asking you what you're going to finish. And you're like, I'm trying to finish, but you are causing me more stress by asking me this. Or you'll see friends that went into different pathways that are, you know, starting to live their adult lives. They're buying homes, they're, they're buying cars, they're, you know, going on extravagant vacations, they're getting married, they're having kids, all these things that you are kind of putting off or have to put someone on a back burner because you want to finish this goal. This goal that only 1% of this world has accomplished. And then if you talk about people of color, if you're talking about if you're talking about women, if you're talking about people of color, the number gets even lower. You're talking about a point something of a percentage okay, that have uh, PhDs, that that get PhDs and go into the, uh, the academy and that you see working at these universities. And if you look around, if you go into college, you know there's not that many of us. There really isn't. And so telling me that I need to go talk to my doctor and I'm happy that she did tell me to go talk to my doctor because I did. I talked to my doctor and she, a uh, woman of color, was extremely understanding. She said, I know it's hard. I know. I know it's very stressful. And your the chemicals in your brain are telling you telling you things that are not true. The chemicals in your brain are low and I need to give you something to make those chemicals increase so she put me on medication so I can even out the chemicals in my brain so I can up as she said the happy juice. <laughs> so I can up the happy juice. Increase the dopamine increase the the parts of me that will give me energy in life so that I can see that there is, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And around the same time, my mother noticed that I hadn't been doing any work and she kept asking me when I was gonna finish and I was avoiding her like crazy. And I told you, my mother is not one of those coddling, take you to her mammy breast and cry and weep in her. I don't think I've ever weeped in my mother's mammy breast. I don't know. Maybe as a child, I don't know. I remember weeping in my grandmother's breast, but I don't remember weeping in my mama's breast. She ain't my mama's not Ayala where she, you know, cut you down and want to hug you after. <laughs> she is more like, I'm gonna tell you the truth and then I'm gonna help you deal with this. And that's what happened. She followed me all around the house because I was trying to avoid her, and not tell her that I wasn't registered, that I was depressed, and that things were just falling apart. And she finally just cornered me because that's what she does. She doesn't back down. That's my mother. That's why she's successful. She didn't back down on me. She cornered me and she said, you know what? What's going on? I told her and she said, well, if you feel that you do not want to finish this, it's okay. And I was, what? Relieved. (laughs) She said, it's okay. If you don't want to finish this and you want to stop right now and move on to something else, that's cool. I support you. But if if you want to finish this, I support you and I will help you. And so, (laughs) and so my mother is a project manager or director. Let me, let me not diminish her title. (laughs) <laughs> She's a director of implementation and marketing at Blue Cross and Blue Shield, Massachusetts. And so she does project management for a living. She does all day long. She's just she she works on projects that the that come into the company and figure out ways to implement them, figure out ways to uh, work with other people to get this project done, to delegate tasks to other people that work underneath her or work with her, I should say, or work for her as they try to get something done. And so she came into my room after this conversation, sat down on my bed with a notebook and pencil and made a what looks like a scheduler. She put, she made a scheduler and said, okay, what do we need to do to finish this dissertation? How many chapters? I said, I need to finish all my chapters and turn them into my committee to get approved. And then they will move me on to the final, to the defense. So the defense date. She's like, okay, how many chapters do we have? She wrote, she wrote down all the chapters on one side and then put next to them in another column. When do I, when do I feel that I can get these chapters done? So like chapter one, when do you think you can get it done? Can you get it done in two weeks, three weeks? When do you, when do you um, think you can get this task done? Uh, and I told her, as I already told you guys, I had the whole thing already written in 2013, the whole thing there was like maybe one or two like maybe one or two chapters uh short chapters that need to be rewritten completely rewritten but I pretty much had the chapters done and but just need to go through them again I mean I actually during the time when I was doing very well in 2000 in 2013 I had paid a editor I had paid a copy editor to go through my whole thing you know re I paid her good money a couple hundreds of dollars that you know my broke graduate school ass graduate student ass did not have and had to use my loans to pay that girl but i paid her installments her job was to read my dissertation twice she was a copywriter that my my uh that vilna my advisor had used before and she suggested to me um and she's very familiar with academic work particularly in the social sciences and so uh her job was to go through it make sure that all the you know the verbs and the and the nouns go together that there are acts that you know, words that are put on paper or actual sentences, that the paragraphs make sense, that the the introductory sentences to each paragraph made sense and led somewhere that I didn't just start talking about a point and then not pick it up. That someone who is not within my field could understand what I'm writing about. And so um she would do that the once and then she'll give you the edits. I would edit them and then she w- I would send it back to her and she would make one final sweep. And so I already had all that stuff done. All that stuff was done. I was ready. And so when my mother came to me with this plan, I pretty much told her like yeah I can get that done in like two weeks or a week and a half and she said okay I'm gonna check in with you on you know the Friday and you know what she did she did that she'd come in to my room uh, after she after we went through the whole thing and how long I think it would take me to get there so she we had a date an end date of when I would be done with the entire thing and when I would send it to my committee put it at the end she um went and took that thing typed it up and gave and made two copies. She made a copy for me and she signed it and I signed it. and she checked in with me every single week to see how my progress was going. Do I need more time to finish this chapter or is it done? Um, and because I had gotten, had most of the chapters done because they had already been read by my copy editor that I paid. Most of those things got done really quickly, you know, with me still teaching and then, you know, having to find the time to also edit my stuff. And so it got done. And when we finished, you know, she handed me the sheet. She was like, no, you're done. You can send it off now. And I sent it off. And this time they accepted it. This time, like, you know, my advisor also, I forgot to mention, helped me re-register for classes because, you know, that was a major problem for me. Well, actually she found out that I was not, I thought I was out of grad school because I was no longer registered. I thought I was like done. I'd have to like reapply to a graduate school. It turns out, no, hello dummy. But that that's depression talking. And so during that time that the semester that I was not registered, which was the spring of 2000 2014 i was doing all that work i went to my doctor i was working with my mom i was working with my advisor checking in with them sending my stuff in and we got that shit done we got it done (laughs) in a year that i thought that i would not see the end of the year i thought i'd be dead uh, by the end of the year i finished it and i defended in october late October of 2014 while working. I think I was teaching two classes and I went to a friend's wedding on the Saturday, the Sunday I drove home, like in in Rhode Island. I drove home uh, back to Boston, even though my car broke down and I had to call AAA to give me a jump. My car was like on, like fucked up. Like talk about shit. Got a jump, finally got home. As soon as I got home, packed up, drove to New York that night, the Sunday. My defense was the Monday. Uh, I did not teach on Mondays and so went that day, got to New York with my parents, my mom, my brother and and my father and uh, checked into the hotel. I had my own hotel room so I could like, you know, so that I could relax, um, you know, take some moments to just, you know, breathe. Uh, the next day had breakfast with my with my parents and my and my brother uh, we walked around uh Times Square because my school is on 34th Street and Fifth Avenue and you know walked around went to one of my favorite my favorite restaurants in New York City Dallas BBQ got myself uh, a texas margarita with an extra shot. I took that damn fucking shot because I needed it. And I made it to my defense. Now, let me tell you this. I didn't finish when I wanted to. This was the Monday. But I invited every single fucking person that I could find that had supported me, that loved me, to be in the room with me. Because I might not have been ready for him the first time, the academic fuckboy, but I was ready this time. I had my mama there, who I told you is not she is not the cry on the titty mama. Okay, I had my mama there as my as my dissertation linebacker. You know, like when they said the office linebacker and someone says something and they come in and they, and they they bum rush that person and take them out. She was in there to be my she was in there to be my my linebacker. If he said anything out of line, anything shady, anything that I felt like you're trying to cut me down, she was there to cut his ass down. Uh, I also had my aunt. Aunt, what uh, of my aunts? Because I have a lot of aunts. I had one of my aunts there that came in from uh, Connecticut. She was also my linebacker but she's a lot more cutting than my mom is she ain't got no problem telling it to anybody including family members and so i had her up in there shout out to Angie floresca i had my dad in there to be my cheerleader because that's what my dad is like my dad is the you're great you're amazing you're so smart you're so beautiful he's that parent so he was there just to smile and nod at me and give me thumbs up my brother was there because he had to be there <laughs> um, i also invited my my um, roommate from the beginning of graduate school karen who also went to high school with me, good, great friend of mine, sister friend of mine, invited her. She showed up, had freshly had a baby, <laughs> you know? She had her, her daughter in August and she was at my dissertation October. I mean, but she showed up. My friend Candace showed up. I mean, she worked in the area. She's best friends with my best friend and she showed up and came to it. Um, also, one of my graduate school friends, the one that the fuck boy fucked over or tried to fuck over, she showed up too. Uh, I don't remember if she was in the room, but she was definitely outside because I think she got there too late to get in there. And so I had that room packed with my people <laughs> just in case shit popped off because I was because when he caught me, I was at a low. He caught me at a low point. He caught me at a point where I was stressed and I was tired and I didn't know how to fight. But I, at that point, I had my I had my warriors up in there. I'm talking about some Game of Thrones. I had my I had my banner men up in there. OK, I had my bannermen. <laughs> i had those who were loyal to house tavernier (laughs) and um it went well because you know i'm brilliant and amazing and you know super smart and shit um and i finished and you know that didn't go the way i planned it but i had to figure out how to deal with when life sends you those kind of curveballs what to deal with and i'm happy that i have people to help me deal with that and that's it that's my story That is how I got through. I didn't do it alone. I had plenty of help. And I'm not ashamed to tell you that because having struggles, struggling with mental health, um, having to deal with mental health issues, not being able to, you know, have your plans go through the way that you want them to go through. All of those things are not shameful failure is not shameful. It's about what you do when you experience these things. And so I hope that this was helpful for others out there. And I'm hoping that you guys will go out and share this and share your stories with me and let me know how you also got through. And if there's anyone out there that you know is going through it, that you would share this with them and let them know that they're not alone and they can reach out to me or um, their doctors or a mental health specialist, but you definitely can get through it. You're not alone. And with that, I'm done with this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please, 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 please share uh, this podcast with others I'd really appreciate it and if you could go onto iTunes and give me a five-star rating and leave a comment that would be much appreciated because then more people will learn about my podcast and it will grow and spread and become exactly what I want it to be which is a honest free space to talk about life and how everyone doesn't have it figured out and I know I don't But anything that I do figure out or in the process of figuring out, I definitely will share with you guys and I hope you will share with me. And with that, have a great day, evening, afternoon, wherever you are. Just be blessed and I'll see you guys next week. All right. Bye.